Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you are with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, good, and bad slash crazy martinis for you today. Jim Garrity is back and... Great thanks to Chad Benson, Alexander DeSanctis, and Rob Long for filling in for Jim last week. Jim, hopefully you're tan, rested, and ready, and all excited to be back in the middle of the chaos. Yeah, great to be back. All right, well, let's start with some uh, legit good news here. This actually broke at the end of last week, but it happened after we had a chance to comment on it late last week. And so Nick Sandman is going to be set for a while. I don't think he's going to have to take out too many loans to go to college. Uh, this is the New York Post. The Washington Post on Friday agreed to settle a monster $250 million lawsuit filed by Covington Catholic High School student Nick Sandman over its botched coverage of his 2019 encounter with a Native American elder. Sandman declared the victory in a tweet on his 18th birthday. It's unclear how much the newspaper settled for. Quote, on February 19th, 2019, I filed a $250 million defamation lawsuit against the Washington Post. Today I turned 18 and the Washington Post settled my lawsuit. So, Jim, that's CNN and the Washington Post now making settlements, I assume, because they don't want to actually go to trial. There's six more media outlets who are being sued. Uh, what do you make of Nick Sandman going 2-0 here? Yeah, this is definitely a good martini for Nick Sandman. It's maybe not quite as good a martini as it ought to be for the rest of us. I am sure when you when you reach a settlement like this, one of the important terms of that settlement is that you know the newspaper does not admit any wrongdoing. There's no apology. There's no acknowledgement that they you know totally botched the story. It is basically Nick Sandman. We do not want to go to trial. We figure either we are going to lose or we are going to spend a bundle to fight you in court. So it is easier to quietly give you a giant pile of money and to agree that none of us will ever speak of this again. This would be satisfying for the rest of us if this then had some sort of application. And we assume that they didn't get the full $250 million, but it seems reasonable to assume if Nick Sandman walked away happy that this was a considerable sum of money. This was not 50 bucks, go away, stop bothering us. In that light, you'd like to think this is the sort of thing that would make the, the you know these news organizations look at that and say, "Hey, call a big newsroom meeting. Talk to you. obviously people can't meet in person these days, but some sort of you're getting like, look, we covered this story in a way that put us at a, at, at great risk of a um, libel suit uh, of really doing danger to our financial bottom line. To say nothing of the, the damage this did to our reputation, we need to do better. We need to be more careful." It is not worth it to be first if we get the story wrong. Everything we do has to be backed up by the facts and verifiable. And that's, I'd like to think that's happening at these institutions, but uh, I'm not really convinced of this, Greg. And my sneaking suspicion is that the, the culture in a lot of these newsrooms is just so deep rooted that it's going to take a lot of decisions like this before management steps in and basically tells those gathering the news, hey, if you guys botch this, it can end up costing us enormous amounts of money and make it tougher for this operation to keep going. Like you said, Jim, we don't know how much these settlements have been worth, but can't you just picture on the one hand uh, with the CNN settlement, Jeff Zucker like scrounging through his desk drawers trying to find whatever money he can, and Jeff Bezos getting this news and just opening his wallet and saying, <laughs> okay, here you go. Bezos is not going to sweat this. But the, the, the bottom line is that no, no news institution wants to fight these kinds of lawsuits. And I think you can safely say that this was not a nuisance lawsuit. This was not a, 
uh, it, you know, Sandman trying to be a pest. This was not a slap suit, strategic lawsuit against public participation. This was the media, you know, took his image and wrote things about him that were just flat out not true. And this is where media institutions can lose libel suits. In the United States, it's tough to lose a libel suit, but it can happen. And the fact that they settled is a kind of a, a strong indicator of this. Um, the fact that he's two for two, my guess is all these other media institutions are probably going to be telling their lawyers, figure out what number he wants and let's get this done with because we don't feel particularly good about our odds if we end up going into a courtroom with this. All right, let's move on to our second good martini, Jim. We've got good, good and bad slash crazy uh, martinis for you today. So the second good martini is progress towards a coronavirus vaccine. This is the New York Times, one of the first large studies of safety and effectiveness of a coronavirus vaccine in the United States began on Monday morning, according to the National Institutes of Health and the biotech company Moderna, which collaborated to develop the vaccine. The study, a phase three clinical trial, is to enroll 30,000 healthy people at about 89 sites around the country. Half will receive two shots of the vaccine, 28 days apart, and half will receive two shots of a saltwater placebo. Neither the volunteers nor the medical staff giving the injections will know who is getting the real vaccine, but hopefully someone does. So, Jim, uh, this is obviously optimistic news. I think there's a couple different vaccine trials that are showing great promise right now. Uh, the former director of the CDC was on with Chris Wallace yesterday saying that best case scenario, he thinks a vaccine would be ready for mass consumption sometime next year. But uh, what do you make of the fact that uh, the phase of the vaccine is now matching the phase of recovery from the coronavirus shutdown? The administration has announced what they're calling Project Warp Speed, which is basically trying to develop this vaccine faster than any vaccine has ever been done before. And by the way, for perspective, keep in mind, I believe the fastest they've done from isolation of the virus to a uh, treatment of it, I think might have been polio, and it was about four years. So in other words, this is way faster than we've ever seen from this. The administration really wants it to be before the end of the year. I think it's reasonable to believe that they are hoping in their heart of hearts that there can be the big, at least the announcement of a vaccine before Election Day. But each time you see a big study like this, it is a good sign and it's getting us one step closer. Um, and the fact that because you know, the headline you don't want to see is, you know, hey, we tried it. It looked good in the initial ones, but now these latest results are, are discouraged. They've already done some tests on this. It's, it's stimulated a strong immune response. The side effects seem pretty minor, you know, the sore arm, fatigue, achiness, fever, uh, you know, and that's that's unpleasant, but that's certainly not the coronavirus and it's not going to kill you. Um, but the question is, you know, is it strong enough to to really keep this off? And this is what this phase three study is testing is going to do. It is a good sign. It is a promising sign. Everyone's saying end of this year, beginning of next year. But it appears to be on that. Now, this may or may not be, you know, on the timeline somebody wants for the election. Um but, you know, I, I think one of the things that's been bedeviling us since the beginning of this pandemic has been this perception of, well, you know, it'll be better in a month or two and then we can, you know, go back to normal life. And each month things have not gone back to normal. The frustrations during the entire school closure issue has been, well, by September they'll have this thing figured out. We don't have that done. And you're seeing folks like the teachers unions insisting, well, we can't go back to in-person school until there's a vaccine. No back to school until there's a vaccine makes sense if we're all going to get it in early 2021. If we're not going to get it till the end of 2021 or 2022 or beyond that, if this vaccine doesn't work, 
then we have to start making some serious adjustments to our lives and start figuring out a way to function with this virus and this kind of sneaking suspicion that maybe herd immunity would arrive before the uh, before this vaccine is ready. But the news today, very good sign. 30,000 people, it's a big trial. We're going to learn a lot of data from this. And who knows, maybe in a couple months, they'll be able to look at this and say, hey, you know what? It worked. We have a vaccine. Let's rock and roll. Well, uh, good luck to them. Uh, we have other issues related to coronavirus to get to, though. The Miami Marlins, that's a baseball team. They're not very good. So if you forgot that they play at the major league level, you can be forgiven. But uh, what are we, three games into the season now, Jim? And the Miami Marlins already have to postpone and actually cancel games. This is ESPN. The Miami Marlins home opener against the Baltimore Orioles on Monday night has been postponed as coronavirus cases continue to pop up among the team. Eight more players and two coaches with the Marlins have tested positive for the coronavirus as an outbreak has spread throughout their clubhouse and brought the total cases in recent days to at least 14 Sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. The Marlins remain in Philadelphia and continue to undergo testing after the weekend series there. The problem in Philadelphia now is that the Yankees are supposed to come in and play the Phillies, and they would have to use the same locker room where the Marlins uh, just used over the past few days. Uh, the Phillies insist that they fumigated the visitors' clubhouse several times, not sure how comfortable the Yankees still feel about that or what the decision for Major League Baseball will be. But, Jim, I mean, if you're talking about normal quarantines of 10 to 14 days for people and you have to do that for half a baseball team, they, they're not going to be able to play uh, for that time. And uh, what do you even do at that point? Greg, I don't know if you guys talked about this last week when I was away. I'm a mild baseball fan. I probably go to about one Nationals game a year. Grew up a Yankee fan, idolizing Don Mattingly, and just haven't had the mental real estate to, to follow baseball. But boy, oh boy, Thursday night, it was an absolute delight to see actual, meaningful baseball games return. Yes, it was kind of weird without any fans in the stands. Because it's 2020, naturally, after a couple innings, they had basically looked like a monsoon downpour in Washington. Um, but thankfully, no one was hurt by the monsoon or lightning or by Anthony Fauci's pitch. Um, <laughs> the, you know, and so, OK, well, finally, we have, we have baseball back. I watched the, the Mets game where they have these giant cutouts of people's heads behind them, uh, which I guess they're doing for some sort of charity uh, fundraiser or something. So, you know, look, OK, look, one little step towards a return of everything we miss about pre-pandemic life. And then this hits. And as of right as we were getting ready to tape, Greg, it sounds like tonight's Yankees-Phillies game is postponed. You know, five games in and we're dealing with this. It's deeply frustrating. Uh, you know, we don't know. It's, I was listening to sports radio dropping off the boys to a uh, uh, one of the few functioning camps in this area, Greg. And the sports radio guys are like, enjoy every game we get, America. Enjoy every game like it's a gift because we don't know when we're going to have it canceled again. Um, by the way, worth noting, like obviously if baseball is having these issues, the NBA season was scheduled to resume Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Uh, between the Pelicans and the Jazz and everybody else kind of restarting their regular season and getting into the playoffs. And the National Hockey League is supposed to restart Saturday uh, in Toronto. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if these other leagues can have can manage these sorts of issues better or whether you have these outbreaks and all of a sudden you've got, you know, as you said, 10 players who are all used to sharing locker rooms and coming in fairly close contact to each other, um, whether you find yourself having to suspend chunks of the season just because too many players are in that, you know, quarantine and recovery stage that you can't field a team and it just doesn't turn into the, uh, the sport the way it's meant to be played. But as you also said, the 
NBA is in this bubble in Orlando, right? So you can't go in, you can't go out. And if you do go out for family emergencies or you have to get some therapy for an injury, which some folks have had, uh, you got to come back in, you got to re-quarantine, and, and, and then you can re-engage with your team and so forth. Nobody has quite been on the level of Lou Williams of the Los Angeles Clippers. He will have to spend 10 days in quarantine in Orlando uh, after picking up food at Magic City. Uh, chicken wings, as a matter of fact. Magic City is not just known for its chicken wings, though, Jim. It's also a prominent strip club. And so Lou Williams is going to miss 10 days with his team because he had to go to Magic City. He insists, Jim, he was just there for the food. And as if that weren't enough to be on brand here, Johnny Manziel, yes, Johnny Football, who washed out of the NFL, Heisman Trophy winner from Texas A&M, thinks he's chiming in to help here, but perhaps revealing more about himself than he intended, simply by saying, believe it or not, the chicken wings at Magic City are the best I've ever had leading him to suggest that uh, Lou Williams perhaps really did go there for the chicken wings. And Jim, I'm sure they read certain things just for the articles too. So what do you make of the Lou Williams saga? Well, look, I know he says that the wings are good. I just have a feeling that the breasts and the legs had something to do with it too. Mm. The chicken breasts and the chicken legs. What were you thinking? First of all, Johnny Manziel, I doubt you're listening to this podcast, but if you do, and at some point I say something that seems controversial, please don't help. (laughs) Please don't jump in to defend me. (laughs) Please don't offer your validation of my character and assessment. Sit on the sidelines like you did for a lot of your NBA, for your NFL careers too. Um, Look, you knew with enough professional athletes, somebody somewhere was going to exercise bad judgment. He had an excused absence from the bubble. Going to the strip club. Look, there's just that that, that basic trying to grasp the, how is this going to look if this happens? Um, you know, there's, you got You can't tell me that there was no other place you could possibly get good chicken wings in Orlando. Uh, I myself, I'm not a huge chicken wing fan, by the way. I know they're allegedly good, but the bone to meat ratio does not strike me as uh, <laughs> as top of the line. So yeah, I, I know you knew some story like this was going to happen eventually. This too is another headache the sports league can do without. Guys, we're trying to keep games going on during a pandemic. Could you please use slightly better judgment in circumstances like this? Did you think you'd be coming back to uh, Johnny Manziel strip club chicken wing stories on your first day back, Jim? <laughs> That's exactly uh, where I, th- I saw the news cycle going. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to have you back, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Leave us a kind review with five stars, please. Also, please get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And join us on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.